UFC 160 is in the books, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is easier from outside the cage. With me, a man that has no problem at all locating Facebook's live streaming free fights, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing tonight, sir? It's spectacularly easy to use. I don't understand why it's a problem for you. Also, hello. How are you doing? My side of the argument is the Facebook free live streaming events are the most unwatched free event in fight history because no one can fucking find them. That's so dumb. It takes forever and a day to locate the stream. I finally found it on YouTube. I searched every term you would associate and came back with nothing. Your response, Raph. Do you ever consider the idea that you're an idiot? No. no. Uh, okay. Come on. How would well, that ever there, cross there's my your mind? there's your first problem. Are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> problem the second. I love the fact that when it says, "Hey, watch these fights on Facebook." Hey, guess what? I wonder if UFC's got a Facebook fan page. Are you a fan of the fan page? Yes. Oh my God! Even more reason. That this is easy. You go to the fan page, which they're not short on promoting, and then you look, and there's a little series of buttons at the top, right underneath the little banner that just say, watch stream live. Yeah, and I would believe that if this were verbal tap fairy tale hour, but that's not how it works. I went to UFC.com. I like the fucking fan page, Raph. I liked everything to do with the UFC. I clicked on every goddamn link that said live streaming Facebook, and none of them took me to free, shitty, decision-based fights. No one took me there. Because all you have to do is follow directions, but don't read and they send out a million emails. Do you get their emails that they send out? Yes! I clicked everything. Nothing was saying... <laughs> that was you know, the problem. In a, day and age, in a day and age where they're supposed to be able to read my mind hole when it comes to what I want to see advertising-wise, like the reason Keenan Cornelius's competitive DVD series have showed up 68 times this week... I want the UFC to just read my mind and come up with an easy way for me to watch it. Is that too much to ask? Yes, it's entirely too much to ask for someone as simple as you to dictate how the UFC works. Kevin, this is what I'm telling you. You are saying that you are giving up, essentially, after typing in the Google search, UFC, give me fights now. I'm not giving up. Uh, Well, I'm, I'm kind of giving up. I don't you don't go to the Facebook fan page, which might have some more information on it, just as a, a thought. I go there. Well, clearly not fast enough if you're bitching about not being able There's to There's no them. tiny little screen that says click me and watch fights. It just doesn't exist. So we can – you know what? Verbal tap listeners, let Raph and I know who's wrong. Is Raph wrong or am I wrong? Can I also add in real quick? Kevin, what do you do for a living? Uh, Well, I'm a key – role player in incident management for a pretty large telecommunication and technology firm. So you were uh, helping out with IT problems yeah, for computers? Daily. Yeah, okay. advanced. Yeah, very advanced, uh, which is not how most people uh, would describe trying to find 
Facebook fights when they have to click, you know, no more than about three or four buttons. You'd think so, which is why they need to listen to me and fix this, Raph. It's getting dangerous out there. This is just the funniest thing in the world. This all started because, and uh, welcome to the show for those of you that are new, Raph and I like to talk about all things MMA comedy related. In this case, he texted me because he was headed to pick someone out from the airport that probably wasn't as important as the show. And he was like, can you tweet out what's going on with the fights? I was like, of course. It's an open dialogue here at Verbal Tap between Raph, myself, and the fight community. So I was, uh, you know, trying to locate those fights so I could do it. I also have the UFC app on my iPad, which I was able to watch 160 from Raph. But I was not able to find seconds to find UFC 160. It took I couldn't find the Facebook prelims on it. What? What? When? How long did it take you to find the prelims on Facebook? Twenty minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep pretending. Just being honest. Okay. All right. Fun. So let's run through the fights. Jeremy Stevens takes on Estevan Payan in a unanimous decision that was pretty clearly Stevens. Brian Bowles and George Roop. Uh, I believe this fight also replayed during the main event card. Yes, it did uh, at the very end because they had a they had a little bit of time to burn at the end. Yeah. So long and short of this one, Brian Bowles needs to work on his cardio, but he, you know, he throws some big punches. Stephen Thompson versus Nashawn Burrell, and this is where I have my first problem of the night. Okay. What the fuck does it mean to be a black belt in Japanese jujitsu? Do you know? I, I'm not going to misrepresent any of this. I don't know that realm. Uh, what is your idea of what it means? It means when you take someone's back and you get in a body triangle, you don't then just give up because that person stands up. That seems uh, that seems bad. Yeah. What would you have done in that situation? Not let the triangle go. That's all I'm well, saying. That's a good like, start. A body triangle, you can crack a rib with that and... He was just like, nope, not interested. I'd rather play <laughs> topsy-turvy against the cage. <laughs> Nermogodomadov. I want to hear you say that one more time. Nermogomadov. Nermogomadov. Khabib versus Abel Trujillo. And you know, uh, Raph, you want to hear an that? interesting bit of trivia? Uh, what's that? The first card we ever did on Verbal Tap 1, the first one we ever predicted, Abel mm-hmm. Trujillo was on that card. Aww. Yeah. Happy 25th Memories. anniversary. Aw, thank you. I didn't get you anything. That's fine. Mine was just a memory. Did you see this fight? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. And uh, I didn't really care. But I'll tell you this much. You don't need to. Uh, maybe it's because <laughs> I showed the exact same amount of uh, consideration that Khabib did for making weight. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. He came in weight or three pounds over? Uh, a large amount over. Now, I, I want to say, I think part of it might be uh, his name is so long, it might have added those couple pounds. It's You could make a pretty strong argument. Colton Smith versus Robert Whitaker. I spoil alerted this one on accident. Sorry and then the best that. part is you spoiler alerted it. And I was mostly just giving you shit for it. Yeah. But then you didn't say anything. Like a kid who knows that they did something wrong. I felt They just go super silent and just go, okay. Well, I didn't... First of all, I did not feel bad for ruining the fact (laughs) that Robert Whitaker spent most of his fight with one hand down. 
by the way. He has this weird, interesting style that includes not blocking his face, and people were okay with that. He just ended up... Colton Smith was winning the fight for most of it, and then he just came back and just started beating the shit out of Colton Smith, and that was the end of it. Yeah. I thought MMA Roasted said it best when he was like, Colton Smith apologizes for having an interesting fight. (laughs) (laughs) That was really good. It was a solid slam. (laughs) It was especially good. Dennis Bermudez versus Max Holloway, and this is where I took a little vacation to walk the dog. <laughs> is that what you did? Yeah, that's why I stopped tweeting dramatically. That's really funny, because I I got in and right around that time, you just noticed that our Twitter has said nothing for a certain amount of time. <laughs> yeah, and you just go, guy. "Where's Kevin? Did Kevin just, you know, did ADHD set in?" And he just goes, "Oh." Is that a playground outside? Bye. He was taking a little break during the Bermudez-Holloway fight, which ended in a decision, so good for him. Mike Pyle versus Rick Story. Did you see the mullet on Mike Pyle? It was hard not to. He's ready for America. You know what I mean? Well, I mean... Oh, Oh my God. I'm sorry. Do you remember seeing what looked like someone got murdered in the octagon? I don't. I did not see. But you saw all the blood? I did, yes. Yeah, that was Estevan Pion. Excuse me, I forgot to go back to the part where he bled. Enough that it elicited a whole series of Red Cross jokes on Twitter. Like, people were genuinely about to... During that entire fight, you would just see comments that were like, Stop this fight. Stop this fight. Please, God. Estevan Pion might die from blood loss. Stop this fight. I always, whenever you see something like that, wonder if you're the Red Cross and you see that you're trending on Twitter, you just go, man, <laughs> people really love us. That's good. We're so inspired. Wait, there are a lot of... Oh, really? Son of a bitch. Come on, That's what fans. they were talking about? God, I mean, fucking he did lose a lot of blood and we're not giving him any back, but yikes. Come on, guys. So, sorry, I just wanted to state that because that blood stain was prevalent through the rest of these fights. I'm um, so glad that that came back to you as if you were the one who lost the amount of blood in your brain. I felt like I lost blood watching it. Mike Pyle versus <laughs> Rick Story was a ton of fun from a fight yeah. perspective. Rick Story needs to work on his cardio a little bit because Mike Pyle just beat the shit out of him in that final round. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I think he started slowing down because I think he felt uh, he was a little bit ahead. And that was just an opening for Mike Pyle to... To come in on a, on a close bout, really. Yeah, it was great. So let's move into the main event where I was watching on the UFC TV iPad app, which was great because it meant I could watch from particular corners. And all you can hear is the cornerman that's wired, mm. which is pretty cool. So the first fight was Donald the Cowboy Cerrone versus KJ, Coon, KJ Noons. KJ Noons just got the shit kicked out of him by Donald Cerrone. And I got to hear Greg Jackson screaming the entire time, Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Cerrone. He's awesome to hear in the oh, corner. Yeah. Just He's asking the other coaches, he's like, what do you think he's going to do? What do you think KJ's going to come out and do to surprise him? Just screaming it out. like It was <laughs> fascinating. I, you and I had an exchange where I was really happy where I just said, you know, when things get really slow – for the two of us, and we really agree with what the other says, it's just going to be, yes, sir! Yes, sir, Raph! Yes, sir! Yes, yes sir, sir, Raph Esparza! Kevin. Yes, sir! 
I felt so bad for KJ Nunes because he oh. wasn't amounting any offense at any given point, and shit kicked out of him, and just was getting yeah, just mauled in there <laughs> to the point where I wanted to just stop the fight somewhere around maybe the early third round. I just go, I've seen everything I need to see. Yep. Yeah. This can end right now, and it's not going to change. And guess what? It didn't. Nope. That's pretty much how I felt. And that takes us into Greg Maynard gets violently knocked out by TJ Grant. Yes. Gray. Uh, he's a fighter I, I do like and respect. He's uh, had a few decisions that have really uh, carried him through the past few years. And I, I like him, but it was pretty awesome to watch him get knocked out and i'll explain why tj grant did that kind of thing that you like in a fighter where their aggressiveness takes over and they're not going to allow a fighter back into the fight not he was not interested in letting that fighter back in because don't you agree don't isn't there a part of you that just gets a little frustrated with some of those fighters who let them back into the fight yes and you know you don't want to see anybody get harmed you just want a clear and definitive winner um, now we say this as the two of us who Monday morning know, cage fighters, obviously, not and getting punched uh, in the face at all. Yup, never getting punched in the face. Totally cool. But you you watch that, and it was just so impressive to see. Where even though I wasn't going for TJ to begin with, that was a hell of a way to finish a fight. Just so cool to watch. Glover Teixeira guillotines James Tehuna. Yes. How do you feel about watching Glover Teixeira pull off a pretty mean guillotine? Well, I saw the guillotine and I, I just – my neck starts cranking a little bit because I go, that he looks like a strong dude. That looks like it's not fun. Did you also uh, see the pissed off James Tahuna? Like he held yes. it longer. Than, James Tahuna was like, I fucking tapped and was pissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you can never be too sure. I'm I'm actually with Teixeira. It's like I'm sorry. Too many people have escaped a guillotine of mine and been like, "Oh, you you didn't have it. It was just my neck." So it's just yeah. Clever Teixeira had that deep, and James Tahuna was tapped and pissed that he didn't let go faster. Well, he might have also been pissed. He he went out or not went out, but he was losing to it and very quickly. Like that was a, a super quick fight. It was kind of a recurring theme for the actual main card. Yeah. Three out of five of the fights in the main card were finished within the first round within about uh, on an average, about a minute and a half's time. That takes us into junior dos Santos versus Mark hunt. Good fight. The earthquake fight. <laughs> as I've been calling it. Like it felt like my couch was shaking. As they yeah. were just these two, it was they walked in with a gentleman's agreement. This isn't a fact. This is just a guess that they walked in with a gentleman's agreement that was like, one of us is not leaving this fight. Like we are <laughs> knocking each other out. That's the only way this is ending. When you were watching this, did you have a moment when you're watching uh, Junior Dos Santos back in and back in form? Because the last time we saw him fight really in this kind of way for me was when seeing him fight against Kane and just that memory of seeing him get the shit kicked out of him for five rounds just was still ingrained in my brain and for a second I forgot how much I actually enjoy him as a fighter because at the end of it he gets a disgustingly patient style that pays off with the end with 
again, a spinning roundhouse kick, which, by the way, is apparently the new thing. Yeah. You have to end a fight with a spinning roundhouse kick. Am I yeah. wrong? Boy, did he. No, you're right. It's what's trending. It's like wearing stupid shit to a press conference in the NBA. It's just something yes. people have to do. Yeah. And it's a thing. And I had completely forgotten in all the time that we've seen him when they get to him and he just when they, you know, they're they're talking to him in the post fight. And it's just him as a big kid being like, hey, I did really well, right? <laughs> that, that was so fun. Did you like, see those Nike shorts? Oh, that yeah. shit's important. It's it's definitely important, but he has just that enthusiasm about just like everybody get late tonight, yeah? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so happy. If you're Mark Hunt, are you a little upset today that you got knocked the fuck out with someone's calf? No, I hope not. I hope if you're Mark Hunt, first of all, that he's okay. Uh, he didn't make the fo- the post fight conference. Uh, I guess they got him to the hospital. I assume he's going to be fine because dude's super tough. Hold on. But- After the calf, it was a straight from like Junior Dos Santos wound up and took a punch from his wind up pose and struck it directly into Mark Hunt's face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, though, uh, much respect to Junior Dos Santos because right after, you know, when you, you give the, the ref a look, that's. I'm finishing this fight. Watch me finish this fight. I think when they did the replay, it's kind of like, I don't want to hurt this guy anymore. So I'm just kind of dink, dink, like connecting punches just to try and, you know, get the job done. It was mean. Kane Velasquez says, yes, let's fight Junior Dos Santos by knocking out Antonio Silva. And do you agree Junior Dos Santos is obviously fighting Cain Velasquez as we transition to this primary fight? Uh, they've already, yeah, they've already made that. Yeah. Sorry, Roy Nelson, but it's going to get put on hold after these last two fights. Cain Velasquez just proves Antonio Silva wasn't ready. All right. Well, this was chattered around. What did you think of the stoppage? Stop the fight. He wasn't, he wasn't defending himself. Look, there's a part of UFC that I, I'm willing to say, hey, let's let him fight. Let's give him a few seconds. Let's let him rebound. But that rebound normally needs to include either their hands or their feet coming to the rescue because you can always turtle out of a position. Like, you can always do that MMA somersault that takes you to safety. That was the one I was thinking of, yeah. They weren't doing that. They were just sitting there getting rocketed to the face and I'm using they because it happened two or three times without throughout the night I think the the biggest chatter I saw about it was people were bent out of shape and people just really want to see I almost wonder if they want to see death before they're like okay now you can call it but there was a distinct moment I was watching with Silva's hands that I it looked like his hands were still dragging on the ground like he was posting up and he was just holding his weight with both of his arms, like almost like a table where he had like all fours and he's just kind of like, all right, I'm eating some punches. And then I just saw his hands drag for a second. I said, that's not healthy to get punched in that position. I thought it was over. I was like, Silva's knocked out. And I think fighters have an instinct to try and defend themselves, even though it looks like they, so they're just like, no, 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 what are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, no, you're done. (laughs) Yeah, I but didn't disagree with that. All in all, explosive fights, 
people that really brought it to the table. Yep. All night. I I don't have, and I'm normally a pretty big critiquer of UFC fight cards because a lot of them are just so plain boring to me when they don't need to be. Like a good chunk of them just don't have to be that boring. Even on prelims, like we should expect high, high content fights, high octane fights, and they were there for UFC 160. So thanks, big guys, heavyweights, fun stuff. Yep, thank you guys for a a pretty good fight card. Uh, you know, the one thing we didn't talk about, though, is the fact that uh, when they were handing out all the uh, awards and recognitions for the night, fight of the night went to Junior Dos Santos and Mark Hunt. Uh, submission of the night went to Glover Taxria. And the knockout of the night was originally going to go to Junior Dos Santos. Did you know that? I did not know that. But do you know what happened? I don't. You know who the special guest of honor who was there at yesterday's fights was, right? Yes, I do. Who was that? Forrest Griffin. No, not that. What? Although oh, that's Mike Tyson? Too. That's right. So Mike Tyson's sitting right next to Dana White, and Dana's just like, hey, we're gonna, I think uh, Junior Dos Santos is going to get uh knockout of the night. I think that's what we're going to go with. And Mike Tyson just goes, no. And Dana White goes, did I just get overruled? <laughs> and they ended up giving it <laughs> to <laughs> TJ Grant just based on that conversation. And there is a photo on Facebook that we'll put on our page of uh, TJ Grant having the original like piece of paper that said who was getting what and his name not being on it. <laughs> I thought that That's was an awesome funny. story. Yeah, that is a good story. But you did bring up Forrest Griffin, and there was also a big moment. Uh, yesterday, they decided to retire Forrest Griffin. Von Voyage. Yeah, which uh, I know now may seem uh, a bit mundane for fans, but when you consider the history of the sport, uh, it does mark a pivotal moment. Uh, just considering that he was – him and Stefan Bonner essentially made the company. Yeah. And now – you know, you, you've seen other fighters like Chuck retire and, and Matt Hughes and other people who are weighing in who have been with the company that long. Uh, but it is just uh, something to note uh, for Forrest and an engaging personality. He'll apparently be in the UFC offices, which, by the way, I would like to bring up a solid point here, which is that that UFC office sounds terrifying. It You have Chuck Liddell. Matt Hughes, and now Forrest Griffin. Like, can you imagine just popping in one day to say what's up in that office? I like that they made fun of Chuck Liddell's work ethic. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I can't know. It's like, you, we're not going to have any water cooler disputes. No one has to argue about whose lunch takes priority in the fridge. I mean, we... Do you think that... Okay, what do you think... It's going to be a very different season of The Office, I guess. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> That's the best idea we've had. I'm going to spin that over to NBC and see what we can do for that. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think they're going to give Forrest to do? He's probably going to be like in charge of something rudimentary, like sharpening pencils or making sure storage facilities are okay. I mean, he's not going to be long-term business strategy and PR needs. I like that his one and only idea was charity. So there's that. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I think in my brain... I hope he's not in charge of podcasts. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Actually, that's a great end for us. We could easily get him to enjoy our podcast. We're right 50, up his alley 50. of nonsense. 
Yeah. That's true. He'll understand most of what we say. He'll just be like, hey, guys, I don't remember much about that fight. But Except for this two minutes where we've been insulting his intelligence. <laughs> Dude, shut up. He won't know the difference. <laughs> shut uh, Just go with it. Uh, no, I, I really like the idea of him taking on a role, uh, maybe taking on the role of self-effacing in the UFC, writing books. I think he's written several books, which is he has. a very big help. Um, maybe he'll just be the humor chapter, if you would. He is funny, so I'm, I'm I'm ready for that. So we just want to know if you guys have any suggestions for what, what do you guys Forrest think out there? Do. What do you think yeah. Forrest Griffin will do for the UFC? And uh, most original or creative uh, explanation we'll talk about on the podcast. Yeah, I love that. That's a great segue, and uh, now let's bring up our guest, Anderson Silva's wrestling coach from Tough Brazil. Over with Team Nog right now, Eric Albaracin. All right, Verbal Tap fans, we have a particularly dangerous man on the line. Um, wrestling coach, and Eric, your resume is incredibly long, but I'll hit some highlights. We have 10-year resident of the Olympic Training Center Wrestling Program. You've uh, trained under just about everyone that's big in wrestling. You were active duty in the Army, which is very cool. You were a captain. You've been through all four levels of the combatives program over at the Army, and you've just uh, you've achieved about everything you can possibly achieve in wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Albaracin, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. This is, you and Raph met at the Tonight Tonight Show, is that what I understand? Is that how this hooked up? Yes, uh, it was actually for, after uh, Henry Cejudo's second MMA fight, Henry was an Olympic gold medalist uh, that I, I helped mentor yeah, over at the Olympic Training Center when he first came, when he was just a sophomore in high school, and I don't, I know I didn't reach my potential as uh, actually being an Olympian. So I just told him, uh, don't make the same mistakes I do. Uh, I pretty much said, do as I do, do as I say, not as I do, as I uh, mentored him throughout the years. What was it that you thought that made your your connection so strong when you when you guys were interacting? Why do you think that he listened to you so much? Um, I saw my, I saw a lot of myself in him. I mean, we were the same weight. Uh, he's Hispanic, of uh, Mexican descent, and I'm Colombian descent, and my mom's Puerto Rican. So we just had a, uh, I just saw some stuff in common. Him and his brother. His brother Angel was a four-time undefeated state champ, and I just, uh, me and him, they, we became friends. So he was like a little brother to me. Very cool. Eric, you've got to be a busy guy. You want to tell us, just because I think it's really cool, where you are at this very moment. Yeah, I'm over at Team Noguera. We're about to start our, uh, I guess we call it midnight training here with Minotaur <laughs> about to walk in, and Minotaur and his brother, twin brother, Rogerio Little Nog, is about to come in and train. We also have one of the, uh, the semifinalists uh, from the show here also. His name is William Patolino, which means Daffy Duck. <laughs> Very cool. 
does he talk like Daffy Duck? Is that something that just sticks? No, I don't even no. I don't no. even know how he got that name. <laughs> That's a ridiculously weird name, but we'll go with it. Um, yeah. You know, that brings us into a nice spot. You know, uh, tell us about your history. How did you, you know, come through the ranks? Like, how did you end up getting connected into this side of MMA? Uh, well, like I always tell people, to swim to new horizons, you have to have courage to lose sight of the shore. So for me to come uh, to the the best team in the world that I want, I had to leave, you know, my friends, my family, the United States and, and migrate down here because I wanted to be, to be part of this team and to grow as a coach. So I was at a AKA in uh, California where, where Josh Koscheck trained, um, AKA in Fresno. And after I left there, I actually ran into Minotauro in San Diego. And when I saw him, I just, uh, I told him I wanted the coach. I gave him my resume. I showed up in a suit. He's in, you know, board shorts and uh, sandals, <laughs> as usual. And I gave it to him. But really, but the funny thing what got him was it wasn't like the resume that you guys read off was uh, my jump rope routine. <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the guys that I um, was, when we were at Team Noguera in San Diego, I showed them a, I jumped my jump rope routine, and he liked it, and he had Minotaur look at it. And that's what sold him, because I, I like do front flips, back flips, and some speed jumping, bounce on my stomach, my back. So that's what got them. I actually do it on the show on The Ultimate Fighter. We'll see if they show it on the last episode. Did you just say I'm you gonna... bounce off of your stomach when you were jump roping? Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, wow. we're going to okay. need to see this over at Verbal Tap. And when we do find a video, we'll be putting it on the website immediately. Because I'm yes. following along it's, here, and every one of those things sounds entirely possible to me. But I like to think that when my stomach has hit the floor, it's, it's done. There doesn't need to be a rope jumping around it. <laughs> I was a lot better when I was younger. I, I would say that. But now... Uh... <laughs> I, I I can't I can't do it as long, but I can still do it. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with that uh, jump rope uh, kind actually, of exercise? Uh, actually, Buddy Lee, Buddy Lee, who is actually a wrestler and an Olympian, he has a whole jump rope system, and uh, he actually helped me out. He sent me some ropes, and I had all my guys at the Ultimate Fighter using the ropes as well. So uh, hopefully, we get more people using those ropes and doing some jump roping as well, as well as wrestling in Brazil. I think it's a ringing endorsement for the two of us. I think Kevin and I are going to try pathetically to replicate that, knowing nothing of it. Yeah, we'll probably want to get that on videotape, too. Most definitely. Yeah, do a little side-by-side. Side. So, Eric, you were in the Army for uh, how long? It looks like you were a captain, so you were in the Army for a little while. Yes, I enlisted as a private, and my last rank was captain in the Army. I was the uh, officer in charge of modern army modern army combatives and basically my job was to train soldiers in hand-to-hand -hand combat prior to them deploying to iraq and afghanistan yeah that's actually how i uh that's how i came to fall in love with mixed martial arts at kansas state university next to fort riley they started teaching yep. modern combatives one just to the undergrads and i was hooked immediately like the class exploded at k-state it went from 
Like they were just trying it as a pilot program to about a year later they had like over 15 sections. Like it was it was addictive. It's good stuff. Awesome. That's all. That's good news. Give us a little that. breakdown into the because uh, you're all the way up through army combatives level four. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you guys use quite a bit of weapons and tasers on each other at that level? Yes, we use tasers. We use sticks. So there's striking involved. Yeah, we get a uh, <laughs> we get down and dirty. Real life <laughs> train. train as you Very fight. Cool. That's our that's our motto. So. There you go. Train as you fight. So if people are listening to this episode, they get a nice, uh, some good advice, Eric. So you have a, an affinity towards Captain America. <laughs> Does that come from being a captain in the Army? What's the parallel? Why do you love Captain America? Uh, that's the name they gave me when I came down here when I was, because uh, they know I'm American and I'm captain in the Army, so the two just <laughs> fit together. But I've upgraded it because Anderson... Uh, one of the, all, our other athletes, fighters, Anderson Silva. I have heard a, of him. Oh, yeah, a newcomer. Yes, yes, I've heard. He saw yeah, my, uh, I have a Captain America bracelet, and he's like, why only America? Why not Brazil? Where's Brazil on this? <laughs> so then I said, you know what? You're right. I am in Brazil. My dad's Colombian. I go, that's two, uh, big, two big countries in South America. I might as well update it. So now it's Captain of the Americas. But in Portuguese, it sounds better. It's called Capital das Américas. Instead of Capital América, Capital das Américas. And I mean, if anybody's going to give it to you. America, I go by Capital América because that's what they say here in Brazil. In America, I I rarely ever hear it. I mean, if anybody's going to give it to you, Anderson Silva is a pretty good person uh, to give you some justification for using that moncure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, argue with that guy. Argue. <laughs> Anderson Silva gave me my nickname. Everyone can fuck off. That would be yeah. pretty much how I would. How would you describe your relationship with Anderson Silva? Oh, I wish he would be more more interactive. You know, for me as a wrestling coach, I want him to wrestle every day, but that's you know, of course there's other skills and modalities I haven't made that that they also need to concentrate on, but oh, it's good. You know, he's, he trains hard. He likes to train with little guys. I think that's part of the reason why he doesn't get hurt so much. He mm-hmm. trains – most of the guys he trains with are like my size. And I'm a small guy. I wrestle uh, – wrestled 121. So he's – again, maybe that's how – maybe that plays into his speed and how he evades. Like he's the Matrix. It well, he definitely looks like it's a combination of the Matrix and a Jedi for most of us uh, laymen. But but for him, the the question I, I have for you in particular is: Is there something about him in stuff that you've seen uh, that we just don't know? Is there something like a, an insight that you've gained to him, or something silly that you found uh, to him that you think that you see that somebody else hasn't yet? Oh, he's exactly like you said. He's like a Jedi. He's special. And I mean, there's there's not too. It'll be a while before we see another Anderson Silva. So uh, I think I think Kim, you know, there's few people that have what he has, and he's uh, he's definitely unique. Do you by chance ever talk to him, uh, or do you guys ever train? What's his opinion on the super fights we keep hearing about? Because pretty much whenever we hear Anderson Silva's name now, outside of 162. It's in regards to him fighting some giant from another 
weight class. Do you guys work on that? Prepare for that at all? Actually, no, we haven't. Estoy fazendo una entrevista. Actually, we no, we haven't. I just know that when we on that last uh, John Jones fight, that he had called and Dana called Dana White to mention he wants to fight and wants a super fight. I don't know if he meant with John Jones, GSP, whoever, but we haven't. Uh, no, their only concentration right now is Chris Weedman. Which is where it go. should be because most of the time we hear him uh, between the fans, they never actually want to see him fight who he's fighting, which I think is an odd thing. <laughs> I think even if they do give him John Jones, they'd be like, well, he's not fighting GSP. Right. Well, Chris Weedman is nobody to uh, to look over or look past because no. he's he's tough. I know, we know he's tough. He's you know his records only eight nine and zero, oh, but he's another person that that has a that that has earned his right to be there. What do you think is uh, the biggest problem he poses for Anderson? Uh, I mean, I would say probably the fact that he's, uh, he's good it's at It's not an easy question. It's a, yeah, it's a tough I'm question. Trying to, it's a tough question. Um, you know, everybody's trying to, if they're, if they're a former wrestler, they're going to try to use the Chael Sonnen game plan. So, sure. I mean, try to take him down and he try to, and, and I, I, Believe you mean the Chael Sonnen uh, game plan in fight one, I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> because the Chael Sonnen game plan in fight two did not work out very well. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that, uh, the plan is probably to take him down and to try to submit him. I think that he's very skilled on the ground, uh, Matt Sarah, training on the Matt Sarah, so... So uh, oh. I think that he's skilled in that area, so I think he might have a little bit. That would be the game plan. I don't know if that's an advantage or not, but I, I doubt the game plan is to stay on their feet. <laughs> I could say no. that he doesn't have an advantage there. Yeah, and we – so you're also training Anderson Silva. How, what's that like from the fight camps? Do they just merge them all? Do they kind of train together? Do you bounce back and forth? Uh, a little bit of everything like? because sometimes he trains with the team. Sometimes he, he, has a, he has a whole bunch of guys that he brings from like Sao Paulo, from even the U.S. here, and uh, sometimes they have their own sure. cage time and – other times he trains with the team. Other times he trains, he trains the team as a coach. And he, let me tell you, he's a he's a very good coach. He's probably even a better coach than he is a fighter. He's awesome as a coach, which is hard to believe. That's interesting. Uh, the only thing I've ever seen him do is some. I've seen some YouTube videos of him explaining some striking techniques and some MMA seminars. They look pretty cool, though. He looks. Uh, he obviously yeah. knows what he's talking about. He definitely knows what he's talking about, and he doesn't. He talks about Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, boxing. He he mixes it all in during his training. So I, it was pretty. Uh, I just sat back and started taking notes. I still have those <laughs> notes. So. Uh, now, in terms of training, you also trained with uh, former WWE star Dave Batista for his MMA debut. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? 
No, that was an interesting experience because, uh, you know, Dave's 44 years old. He never fought before. And we didn't know how hard to push him, how much rest he needed. I mean, not that we didn't know. We just had to learn as we went along and to see how hard to push him. There was times where I saw him fall asleep in between, in between rounds of sparring. But he trained hard. He trained everything we asked of him. It was, it was actually a very uh, a lot of fun because he actually just listened to whatever. He just put all, his trust in all our hands. He listened to, to us, and that was an awesome camp. We had uh, Stefan Bonner. We had uh, Alex Schoenauer from Tough One, the Ultimate Fighter One. We had Josh Rafferty. We had three guys from the Ultimate Fighter One on the show. And as we were there, uh, Stefan Bonner got the call. Like in the minute at the last week of camp, Stefan Bonner got the call to fight Anderson Silva. So it was a, <laughs> it was a definitely a, an interesting camp. And and he won. You know, we lost uh, yeah. the fighter. He's supposed to fight Rashid Evans, and yep. that that person something happened, legal problems. He couldn't fight, and they ended up getting a fighter. I mean, this guy had forty fights, and he was like three hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. And, uh, Dave ended actually, actually looked awesome um, for his first fight. He overcame some adversity, even got a double leg takedown, and grounded and pounded the guy out. Now, do you think that that's something he's going to continue doing, just based on your interactions with him? Uh, you know what? He's getting he's getting into some more movie roles now. So he just um, signed the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy role. Right, he's going to be Dragon <laughs> Destroyer there. So. You know, I think that that's going to be something big for him. And uh, I don't know. He might just leave it as it is and stay an undefeated MMA fighter. This so, isn't a bad and, thing. And six-time and six time WWE world champion. So I think uh, Also brings me to a very, very important question. If at any time when you were teaching wrestling, did he ever just get the urge to powerbomb somebody? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Just wanted to make sure. Exactly. Damn very <laughs> He's very humble and a real nice guy. Reminds me of Minotaro. You know, these big gorillas that are that gentle giants. And I've, I've heard very good things about his jiu-jitsu uh, just from the round. So I, I was excited to hear that he did get that win. Um, you know, I, I yeah, think this... Uh, nervous. I will say this, that he... I've never seen him that nervous. He was shaking before his fight. So, uh, but as soon as he got hit, I think he woke him up. He realized he was in a fight and it was time to uh, go to war. Good. Very good. Now, we are, we are so lucky to have you on the phone with us because uh, here's the thing. Most of our viewers, when they hear that a foreign language is involved, they don't really watch. Therefore, I don't think many of our viewers have seen The Ultimate Fighter Brazil 2. What are a few of the highlights that they have missed out on? Uh, and how can we ed get them to be more willing to go look it up on, say, Hulu and other channels to look up the shows? Well, there was uh, – you can actually look it on Tough.TV, and they have it in – they should have it in subtitles by now. Okay. Uh, they – well, some of the highlights, wow. The first, the first two episodes, there was 14 fights. Uh, but some awesome fights to get in the house. Uh, we ended up with seven guys. Team Nogueira 
or Minotauro pick seven, Verdun pick seven guys. And what was interesting is that of uh, some, well, our first pick was a guy named Luis Dutra, Bazzoro, and which means the Hornet. He's uh, he did awesome in the during the show, and then he was our number one pick and ends up getting hurt, so he doesn't make it. We have another guy that was also an awesome fighter. He was undefeated during the show, and he doesn't make it. He blew his knee out. And then we had another fighter that was on Verdum's team named Jan Cabral, who actually beat Sakuraba. He was on the show. He won his first fight, but broke his hand. So, I mean, there was a lot of very good fighters on the show that didn't even make it. Um, some Those aren't actually highlights. Those are probably actually lowlights of the show. <laughs> and so, but... Like, uh, there was a fighter named Viscardi Andrade who who ends up uh, beating one of our Team Noguera fighters, a real Team Noguera fighter from our gym, to get into the house. Well, like I said, one of our guys gets hurt. So then I convinced Minotaro, let's bring back Jumbo because I know he's training. So Verdum didn't want to bring back our, let him bring back our own guy from the show as a replacement fighter. Yeah. And but uh, we convinced Dana, and Dana like never did it before. He let Minotaro uh, choose his own fighter to come back nice. instead of the fighter. So he comes back, but Verdun made it so he had to make weight, fly from from another state, and make weight the same day. So he had to lose 22 pounds in one day. And <laughs> but he had already, and this guy, they already fought to get in the house, and Viscardi already won. So he was kind of pissed that he had to make Viscardi had to make weight twice. He had to fight Jumbo again. So he actually knocks Jumbo out this time and uh, gets in Minotaro's face. And, like, you know, like, that's for you. So uh, then there was almost an all out Yeah, there was, because in Brazil you don't disrespect Minotaro. So there was a, an all out brawl. In America you don't do it either. That's, that's not a guy <laughs> you want to walk up to and get in his face. Yeah, so then there was almost an all out brawl between the guys. And then um, that started a rivalry between me and Viscardi. So then uh, I guess uh, I started, uh, he started making fun of my coaching style. So I was. I did something to him. Then all these pranks started going down. Another highlight would be I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do a prank. That's going to be the prank of all time because I'm going to get them all, all at once. So I called, yes. I called uh, I called, Hajero, who was about to fight Rashad Evans, and I got something shipped, some stink bombs shipped to his hotel in Las Vegas. He brought it to Sao Paulo after he beat Rashad. And I set it up with um, uh, in a van. I was like, I need to do it in a small place. So we put 15 stink bombs in the van. We, I, we got it to all the fighters get in the van. Then we blew up the stink bombs. And all, the, all my team shut all the doors. And then I jumped on top of the van and was waiting for them to come out. After like 40 seconds, we were going to let one door open. And they were all going to come out. And I was going to throw flour on them. And then the rest <laughs> of the team was going to throw water and eggs on them. But it, it kind of went crazy. It went, people went to the hospital. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the van was destroyed, completely destroyed. And uh, that's on the like an eighth or ninth episode. And uh, that's a, a prank highlight. 
So uh, as far as <laughs> fight highlights, you know, um, Viscardi- Eric, you might have missed your calling as a show promoter because you have got me literally. I'm going to be uh, turning this on at work tomorrow, so yeah, you might want to think about that as a backup profession. Well, that's uh, yeah. But then what happens is last week or two days ago, which was Sunday, they got me back. They kidnapped Uh-oh. me, so that wasn't fun. And they really, uh, they did it like off the rules. Like uh, they, it wasn't. I wasn't. Shouldn't have been able to get kidnapped because you're only supposed to do stuff in the house or in the academy, and that's it. Well, they kidnapped me on the street, and I was walking around South Hollow on a Friday night, and some stranger comes up and talks to me. As he talks to me, four guys jump me, put a bag over my head, and, you know, plastic zip tie my, my ankles to my feet, to my, to my wrist. I was kidnapped for six hours, for about six hours. They're dunking me, they were like. Hold on. <laughs> As they do it, did you know it was them, or did you have a moment where it was like, "Holy fuck, someone has done about something"? 30, like I'm about forty seconds into it, but I fought them for about forty minutes okay. before. But then I was exhausted because Verdum, Vanderlei Silva, <laughs> uh, Felipe Verdum, his brother, and Dita. These guys are top big man, and I, I mean um, they weren't yeah. hit hitting me. But they were like trying to hold me, and I just kept squirming and trying to fight and fight. But they, I kept on breaking their zip ties. So I, by the end, I had eight zip ties on my wrist, another eight on my ankles, and then they were tied together between my <laughs> wrist and my ankles. And I had tape around my face. They put a plastic bag over my head. I had all kinds of stuff done to me. But that was without cameras. When the camera showed up finally two, three hours later, then they brought me in a van to the house. And at the house, they tied me to a tree and hung me. And that's when they grabbed all these fireworks and woke up the house and everybody was supposed to come save me. But it was a trap. So I told them, don't save me. Just go get some weapons so I can get these guys back. I'll get out on my own. So uh, I ended up getting out and had a few scars. All all fair in love and war, I guess. Wait, okay. Uh, I guess too. That just happened Saturday. Or Sunday. That just happened his last weekend. Two days ago. Okay. Oh, my okay. God. Hey, are you with me on this? Because I think there are so many questions that I have just based off of this. But as far as I, fu- that's another prank I, highlight. There was a lot of prank highlights throughout this season because nobody ever really watched The Ultimate Fighter. And from the, <laughs> as the team over here, nobody's watched The Ultimate Fighter in the U.S., so I'm like, well, we better have some pranks prepared. So I was the mastermind of all these pranks. <laughs> but, uh, I did an Oreo cookie one. That one was pretty funny. I took, I bought a bunch of Oreo cookies. We were all going to watch the UFC, Rashad versus uh, Little Nog. And I took all the Oreo cream out and put in toothpaste and stuck it in the middle of the coffee table. And the team was eating it. And it was funny. So uh, there were some... <laughs> Some low-level pranks like that. But as far as someone fight, was kidnapped in Tuft, Brazil, that's amazing. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't show too much, but they showed. They showed me. Yeah. Oh, they cut my hair. They shaved my head. They wanted me to say, <laughs> "Cut your hair." They kept on saying, "Are you Team Verdum? Team say you're Team Verdum. You're not Team Ogier. Say you're Team Verdum." I wouldn't say it, so then they shaved my head. <laughs> I mean. When, when you really take this bit by bit, 
And you're explaining it in the very, like, uh, yeah, you know, I guess that that happened. I'm losing it, by the way. I might have I'm got a water. I've a couple times. It's cool. Uh, it's a testament to your army upbringing, because I don't know what I would have done in any of this situation. Oh, I was irate. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning, because in the beginning, I thought they were just going to get me back with no cameras. And I was like, this isn't even part of the program. I go, yeah. well, the thing with you is the program. And they're like, uh, I called up Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei came up. And I was like, Vanderlei, you know this isn't right. You were from seat talk so fun. I go, you better tell them there's no cameras. He was like, oh, we got a camera right here. And he whipped out his uh, <laughs> cell phone, and then he goes, let's get him naked. I was like, oh, shit, he's taking it me. <laughs> he did not help at all. Well, well I got to tell you, this, is, this was worth the wait. Go ahead, Rap. Sorry, what? I was going to say, this is the best, uh, like, it goes from the ultimate fighter into a primetime drama all of a sudden. Like, you... It's a crossover between the Ultimate Fighter and Homeland all of a sudden. Yeah. I think Eric's going to have a... You're going to have a slot on The Bachelorette next season. They're definitely going to bring you into the house just for uh, some added drama. Maybe. We'll see who the next season's coaches are. Because I think I'm the only wrestling coach in Brazil from America right now. So if they they do another tough Brazil 3, maybe I'll be on there too. I don't know. Depends if it's a Team Vera fighter. Well, it's We're definitely going to have to bump it up. trying on your effort. It sounds like you did everything you possibly could to make sure there's a third season. <laughs> yeah. well, what's funny is, uh, you know, in the U.S., they're happy with, you know, to get 800,000 people to watch. Over yeah. here, we have 8 million, or no, way more than that, 12 to 15 yeah. million watching. Yeah, Every the difference time. with L.A., or not L.A., but, like, U.S. television is a wacky, wacky thing. Uh, you're talking about tenths of points. So if it gets like a point six, they're happy with that rating. Over there, it sounded like I think at one point it was attracting, like, like you said, in the tens of millions of people just to watch it, and it slid down. But the ratings over there would still be comparable to something on cable over here. Um, but they they have talked about it. Do you know if there is a third season possibly, or is it still kind of up in the air? I don't. I, I haven't heard anything, but. I think it would be awesome if it was like Anderson or Sagano or something, or Junior Dos Santos. I mean, all oh, that would be cool. Yeah, Dos so Santos even, too. Uh, maybe even, but they really like to have two heavy, you know, two Brazilians as coaches. And right now, I don't see an opponent from Brazil that could warrant that spot, whether it's against Anderson or Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we know who Junior Dos Santos is fighting next. Right. So that's not going to – that will probably happen on probably December 28th with yeah, Misha. probably say that for that. Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey again. Yeah. Yeah, that was some big news that just came out today. Yeah, we just read that down here too. So uh, Very cool. But uh, you were mentioning a, a blog you have also that covers the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Yeah, it's a song I wrote it on my fan my uh, fan page on Facebook. So you got to scroll down, but I have it highlighted. 
so it's the full page and you could read uh read up on from episode one to episode 11 i'm gonna finish episode 11 tonight talk about i give the background information because a lot of times the you know they there's no way they can fit everything in 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 a 45 minute slot so you I mean like them, an abduction i get <laughs> yeah no the abduction was is was on the show for sure but they didn't show all of it right they didn't thank god they show. abducted a wrestling coach you guys are built a little differently. Wrestlers are, because uh, I got to tell you, I would have, I probably would have been in tears about twenty-five minutes into Vanderlei Silva shaving my head. That probably would have gotten me. Yeah, that wasn't a, it wasn't a good time. I had a black eye. I think uh, the tape, the chemicals from the 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 what is it, duct tape on my face for three, four hours gave me chemical burns. <laughs> So well, I think the most unfair thing is Wendy shaving your head. There's no retaliation for his. Yeah, I had a chance to get them back. I, I got them back. Yeah, I got them actually back within a couple of days, but it's not what I wanted. I was. Did uh, you want weird. to abduct a family member and hold them <laughs> ransom? How do you get people back after they've abducted and tortured you? No, I had something planned with some military police out there to like, pull them over, plant some drugs on them, and arrest them, and put some guns nice. in their face, and put them in the uh, cell. And then when it's time for their lawyer, I was going to come in. But <laughs> I guess there was uh, was that was too much for uh, the production wouldn't let that happen. Uh, yeah, for some <laughs> reason, they wouldn't let that happen. I don't know why. I had it all planned out. So Sticklers. I could do was like um, they, we actually had like a pool party at the house and we had yoga. We did yoga with my team or with Minotaro and all the guys, and they brought in a pole dancer. And like Team Verdum had some a pole dancing class, so they were all in one room, and there's actually a balcony to that room. So then I was like, well, this is my best chance to get them back. There's only like three days left in the show, so I grabbed a huge bucket, threw some eggs, some dirty bath water from their bathroom in it, some protein powder, started mixing it all up, and then I went out there and threw it on all of them. And uh, the one that got it worse was the pole dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so then she, she gets all mad and leaves off, and she, she puts a, a stripper curse on us. It was just like, I hope you guys don't get in for a whole year. <laughs> So Brazil is so me, fascinating to me at this moment. So that was like me. The stripper curse was worse than the kidnapping. I was about to say, that's a way more <laughs> harmful thing for the long term. Well, you've been having a rough few weeks, I gotta tell you. Uh, I consider a kidnapping and a stripper curse to be like ultimate lows. Oh, yeah. Jeff Thorne wasn't fun. So UFC on FX... In two weeks, what can we expect from the main event? Main event, Minotauro versus Verdoomed. So, uh, you know, he's beaten him before. I think uh, that's a, that's an advantage. Verdoomed's obviously getting better, but so is Minotauro. Ever since he's got his hip surgeries, he's been performing real well, training, training harder than ever. We brought in a bunch of guys to help uh, mimic Verdoom. A K1, a K1 fighter, a glory fighter. We have an Olympian 
uh, that was in the semifinals of the Olympics from 2012. Uh, his name is Kitak Pliev. He's actually from the um, from Russia, from Vladikovsk, Alsetia. Você vai juntar? Não, você tem que treinar. Hold on a second. No problem. I just feel like you have to let him talk, otherwise he could get abducted, and if his wits aren't about him. Okay, sorry about that. Someone Don't worry about it. Was explaining to them. You were explained, um, oh, just what's going on. Who's, uh, are you, is it just the gym or people gathering to train? What's going on over there? Yeah, there's still people here. We were all waiting for Minotauro. I think he's coming. So, uh, but some, a couple guys are just waiting for me to train them. A couple other guys. But uh, one of the guys that was in the semifinals, he's going to be fighting this Sunday. Uh, of course, we don't know if he wins or not. So, but uh, the four sure. semifinalists, what's interesting about the, Besides the main event, which is, uh, you know, Minotauro versus uh, Verdum, that's going to be awesome. He's going to uh, – the plan is to get his hand raised. He's training for five rounds. I don't think it'll go five. Uh, most heavyweight battles don't. So yeah. I think there's yeah. going to be a knockout or a finish before that, and hopefully it's Minotauro's hands getting raised, and, uh, and that would be awesome, 2-0 and o against Verdum. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy if that happens. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. For more than one reason. So, uh, but it's... <laughs> after this fight, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. After this fight, Verdum's going to what? He's going to be wished he was kidnapped before he got in the octagon because we've been training Minotaur real hard for him. <laughs> it's good when you've got a little bit of actual motivation to uh, hit someone in the face. That tends to, to help it along. Yeah, you know, just the motivation to win for Minotaurus and us. It'll be fun. And then we have the finalists. The finalists, we actually, Team Girls got five fighters and um, fighting on that show. We have uh, Eric Silva, he's fighting Jason High. That's going to be a good fight. We have Braga Neto, he's one of the first preliminaries. He's fighting Anthony Smith. We have Rafael Feijal, who's fighting Thiago Silva. And... Was that five? I know there's one more. Feijal, Eric Minotaro, Braganeto. Oh, Pony Jason. Pony Jason, the ultimate fighter, uh, winner from Tough Brazil 1, is fighting. He's fighting a Mike Wilkinson from, I think he was on the Australian Tough Show, The Smashes. So we have five fighters, the plans to have five victories, and also the finalists of the tough of the ultimate fighter so that should be awesome the two guys that are in the final are awesome fighters you'll if you watch start watching some of the episodes you'll see they they had some of the best fights in the house um they, real well real surprising because of the people we picked that we thought would be number one they they didn't make it they, they weren't healthy enough mostly strong enough whatever it is you know, um, Dana White came on the show. I, he's looking for people that are mostly strong enough, physically strong enough, and mentally strong enough to make it to this season. Now I see what he means as, a, as I was a coach on this season. That's, it's everything means is a fight. You're making weight. You don't know whether you're going to get, who's going to get picked. When you got to make weight, you might have to lose 15, 20 pounds in a day. You don't know because depending if you're not keeping your weight close and all of a sudden you get picked when you thought you weren't, somebody got hurt and you got called back up. 
There's all kind all kinds of things happen on this season that uh is very stressful. It's very stressful in that house. Those first four weeks were very stressful for us. For team uh Noguera because we lost we lost the first four fights, three, four fights. So we didn't win in a whole month and we were having a terrible time and then you know, I was like, This isn't the team Noguera I'm used to. We're best team in the world and then we turned things around and we started winning we I think we won the next four fights. Five five fights in a row now. So uh, we have uh, there's three in the semis. We have three Team Nogueros in the semis, and the one guy that made it was Viscardi. He's in the semis, and he's the guy that got in Minotaro's face. So the drama still continues. It'll end on this Sunday. Yeah. See you. Back to that promo career. You should really think about it. We should get you uh, a microphone a little bit more often, especially at some at of these the very events. least. You will be the first call I need to make if I'm ever pranked or kidnapped. No shit. We've got a resource now. Someone, uh, we've got a prank, a prankster, evil genius. No, to tell you the truth, I was just like, get, every day I'd get up uh, back from tough, I'd go on to like just YouTube or go to like collegepranks.com or something like that and, and get ideas. So uh, the van was the van was my idea though the van with the stink bombs, I thought of that one and uh, I, I, I but the the concept of antiquing someone which is just throwing flour and water on them I got that from from, from like YouTube or like researching it and I said oh you <laughs> let's antique someone well how would I get to and how could I antique a whole team all at once and that's how that idea started. I said, well, I'd have to – I started thinking military uh, as a captain. I was like, well, when you surround an enemy, you have to leave one door open. And when they come through that door, you destroy them. So that's the plan. How do we get them to come out one door? So we put them – I got them caught up in the van and then shut it, lock all the van, take the keys out. Thank God we took the keys out because they tried to – they would have tried to drive – some one guy tried to drive it off, drive off, but he couldn't find the keys. And there's nowhere to go. He would have had to go through a wall. And he would have too. That's how crazy this guy was. So I thought of taking the keys out and uh, good thing because he said he was just going to – he probably would have – we destroyed the whole van. The van was destroyed, $70,000. So we probably would have – had he had the keys, he probably would have destroyed two, three more cars in there. So okay. it's good thing you put the keys out because – First of all, uh, what was Dana's response to all of that? What's that? You know what? what? I don't Dana's know. Um, Dana wasn't too uh, – we didn't see Dana that much. We saw him like three times, I think, via satellite. Once when a guy didn't make weight, we had a guy that didn't make weight. That was a lot of drama. We had uh, – like he first came after the fighters were picked and who to pick. Uh, when one of the fighters got hurt. So uh, I think we saw him like three, only three, four times. He wasn't that too involved um, uh, via satellite. I'm sure he was involved with the production guys, but as far as the trainers and athletes seeing them, I think it was like three times. Right, very Charlie's Angels of him. <laughs> so, But I'm sure he heard about the van. If he didn't, I, I'm, I would imagine that he's seen this episode last week. So. Oh. I'm sure when he gets billed for a van, cost of ninety thousand. Yeah, yeah, it was destroyed, and uh, it was because of the uh, 
they couldn't see. It was a uh, fire extinguishers got involved. So. <laughs> Even better teaser alert. So we do have to, as we as we round out, because we know you have to get to training people. Can you talk to us a little bit about your involvement with the uh, Save Wrestling program? Yeah, you know what? That was a. Uh, I thought I'd never hear that that they would drop a Olympic wrestling. So um, you know, keepolympicwrestling.com. It's a website. You can you can go on. You can sign a petition. Always, uh, as far as what you guys can do, as far as like retweeting, get people to follow Olympic Wrestling. I think it's Fila underscore official. Um, that's the Twitter name. And we're signing petitions. They just did two uni- United for Wrestling, which was uh, we f- we wrestled. U.S. versus Russia versus Iran in New York, and then we did another one, I think just last week in L.A. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend them, but uh, we have a there's a um, an effort definitely to uh, to save it, headed by uh, one of the head founders of Fortress. His name is Michael Novogratz, and he was the team leader for USA Wrestling for in two, 2012, and he's been doing an awesome job getting everybody to pull together and. Uh, Really, the working hard. I think we're gonna get it back. Uh, there's actually this weekend. I think is a is a big decision that's happening in Saint Petersburg, Russia. The rules have changed already. They're trying to make it more exciting. So they're they've had some rule changes, um, and we're gonna continue to evolve the sport to to make it more fan friendly. So this doesn't happen again. Well, as long as competitive trampolining is safe, I think it makes sense to attack wrestling. No, you definitely have fans over. Uh, Raph and I are both jujitsu guys, but wrestling—you know—wrestling's part of that mixed martial arts crew and definitely belongs in the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the first. It's one of the first sports next to marathon. You know, the first was uh, marathon running and wrestling. Those are the first two Olympic sports. And um, it just doesn't make sense for them to take it away. And the way it happened, uh, you know, like secret ballot, and it was supposed to be another sports that was supposed to be gone, and there was no wrestling representative there during this secret ballot, and it just seemed weird. So hopefully hopefully this weekend that it'll get put back. I know we're – if it doesn't get put in this weekend, then we got to go into uh, – there's another huge meeting in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and that's, uh, I think, where they decide what new sport is going to come in. And we're competing with, like, baseball, karate, wushu, I think wakeboarding. So uh, they've had a poll. The poll just ended today. We won the poll as far as wrestling by probably 30,000 votes. And the next one below, squash. The one, the closest one was squash, followed by, I believe, uh, <laughs> Karate, so I, we won. We're winning that battle. So hopefully, you know, in Argent, if it doesn't get put back this week in uh, Saint Petersburg, Russia, and Buenos Aires, Argentina, hopefully it'll get selected as a, the next sport to be put in, which which sounds kind of ironic. But speaking really of Argentina, sure. we also have the first Argentinian that's on Tough Brazil, and he's in the semis, and he's on our team, Tino Guerra. He's awesome. His name is Santiago Ponzinibbio. Every fight he has is is like uh, 
It's like um, Dennis Bermudez versus Trice. I think that's his name. Where it was like a well, fight of the year. It's kind of like a Forrest Griffin versus Stefan Bonner. Every time this guy fights, Santiago, it's awesome. It's, it's crazy to see that he fights. Every fight is a war. And he, he seems to always get hurt and come back and, and win. So uh, he's in the semifinals, and he'll be fighting this Sunday as well. Yeah, first Argentinian. He's already the face of uh, he's already the face of Argentina for MMA, and he's uh, he's in the set. He'll be fighting Sunday in the semis. You have to tune in to see if he makes it to the finals. Definitely, yeah. I'm gonna have to. And one more time, where can we watch Tough Brazil? It was ToughTV.com. Uh, Tough.tv. I believe the first uh, all the episodes should be on there. Um, I know I've watched the first three or four that with subtitles. So, you know, most of the world watches, uh, you know, um, American movies, American uh, TV, The Ultimate Fighter with subtitles. I don't see no reason why, uh, you know, we're too good. We should be able to – they should give us the, afford us the opportunity to watch it as well. And I think they should be playing tough Brazil in the U.S. I mean, who uh, – uh, Minotaur and Verdun both speak English. They speak a lot of English on the show. Um, but it doesn't even matter. We speak – it's in the language of fisticuffs anyway. So you want to watch yeah, that's for, the whole thing. Fight, for the fights and I guess the pranks too. Wow. Wow. <laughs> And the we'll see how the phrase translate to an American audience. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I see it right here. Tough TV dot uh, tough dot TV. Uh, we'll definitely plug that out as well. It should be under videos. So yep. And you could uh, on cool. my page, on my Facebook fan page. If they don't have that, you could see some of the videos. I know I highlighted the one with the van. Mm-hmm. I know that one's on there. So. They had to, they showed a little bit. They didn't show a lot, all of it, but they it, it, they showed a little of the the van prank. Cool. Well, uh, you know, I think that's as good as part as any to go ahead and call it. Uh, Eric, we want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're really glad that we got to hear all of that wonderful insight, not just about Tough Brazil, uh, but just about your training experience. And we hope that you'll come back on the show and talk to us a little bit more, maybe after this event. Uh, down the line, and we can get your insight into that and everybody else you're training. Yeah, awesome. Hopefully it'll be with uh, five victories come June 8th, and then maybe even another uh, one of our fighters will be uh, the next ultimate fighter. So well, like I, we have three guys, three guys at Tino Guerra. We have uh, William Patolino, we have Leo Santos, and we have Santiago Ponzinibbio, the Argentinian, versus one guy, from Team Verdum is Viscardi Andrade. So uh, it should be, that'll be happening this Sunday, and then the finals are happening June 8th. So tune in. Well, we will definitely be there to report live on June 8th. So look out for some of that. Eric, thank you so much for your time. We love having you on as a guest. We will be talking with you soon, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Verbal Tap fans, we know the audio was a little rough, but he was in Brazil at Team Nogueira's training camp. Plus, he was awesome. Deal with it. Thanks. Boy, this is the part of the show. Welcome back. Fuck. 
Welcome back, Verbal Tap listeners. That was, God, Eric Albersee, he's awesome. Yeah. This is really, part of the really show. Good. Yeah, this is a part of the show where Raf and I talk about the guest and I talk while Raf is talking. Go ahead, Raf. <laughs> it's okay. No, uh, he's he's great. Uh, super lively. Uh, just happened to be that he, he came to the Tonight Show one day and I was just like, hey, you look familiar. You should talk to us. And uh, he was nice <laughs> enough to give us his time. Yeah, and you can tell, like, it is his time because you can hear, like, people asking for him, being like, hey, man, you ready? <laughs> and it's, uh, it was all in Portu- Portuguesa, but don't, fan, don't try. I, I gotta, I gotta work on my Portuguese. Yes. He's, uh, hilarious. Got kidnapped by Vanderlei Silva, a man nicknamed the Axe Murderer, just mm-hmm. to talk about his, uh, toughness a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to have him back on to, uh, tell us some more of those stories. It's That's not just that he got kidnapped, but the, like, very casual way <laughs> he had referenced, like, oh, yeah, they kidnapped me. I think I was waterboarded. I honestly I thought he was about to say he was waterboarded. I thought that's where that was going. He definitely was mentioning the fact that water was splashed in his face, yeah. which, I mean, again, never having that experience, probably might be making a reach to say he's waterboarded, but prove to me he didn't. Yeah, prove he wasn't. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds like we should err on the caution side of waterboarded and not the other, just given the general way in which the uh, kidnapping went. But fantastic stories. I mean, and you would never get that anywhere else. No, and he's uh, working with a really cool crew. So that's gonna do it for Raf and I over here at Verbal Tap. Thank you again to Eric, and it's time for. Shoutouts, BJJ and MMA Academy, No Concept Jiu-Jitsu out in Maryland, gotten to, uh, got to train at both of those places, actually came from train tonight over at BJJ and MMA Academy, great lesson put on by Mr. Sangura Kenny Cole and Andrew doing some takedown work and some uh, passing, trying to just escape from turtle position, which is always helpful. Yes. BJJ Finder, I just used it because I have to go to Louisville for a job thing that's not worth talking about on the air. But I looked up some schools over in Louisville. I might swing by and try and do some training. Spread the verbal tap. <laughs> I'll give away a shirt or something. We'll, we'll talk to them. <laughs> You'll give away a shirt. You're just going to show up there and they're going to be like, so how do you pay for this? This shirt? Here you go. <laughs> this is cool, right? We have I, a podcast! Listen I'm on the that. bartering system. So yeah, I just present <laughs> people with things. Uh, check out BJJ Finder. It's really easy to use. It'll show you the local schools around. And of course, you can find Raf and I on Twitter, Verbal Tapcast, tweeting out the events, talking back and forth during most of them. Download us on iTunes. Leave us a rating so we know you're listening. And check out the website, verbaltapcast.com. Mr. Esparza, your shoutouts. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Dream Jiu-Jitsu, which is the tournament that we are hosting over at Valley Martial Arts Center on June 15th. Was there no VMAC on that one? VMAC! You snuck it in. Normally you say VMAC, you just Dream Jiu-Jitsu, and then you're like over at Valley Martial Arts Center. Well, we, I said we were hosting it. You, you just don't pay attention. You literally do. I just replayed your entire conversation. I'm clearly listening. I was just waiting for the. Yeah, I missed my cue. No, totally. You just literally said your shout outs. I'm and just going to edit said, it out. And, uh, I know I won't. Kevin's done. Yeah. 
You just literally go, okay, here's everything I have to say, and I'm taking my headphones off. Fuck this. I'm out. Deuces. <laughs> like, I literally should just say shit about you the entire time I do shout <laughs> And just see how that works. And be uh, like, I'll just scream BMAC halfway through and then be like, all right, that's uh, that was us <laughs> over here at Purple Tab. I'd like to thank my, my co-host, who's an idiot, and uh, definitely, definitely... Uh, recently just proved uh, positive for syphilis. Congratulations, Kevin. <laughs> Thanks, Raf. Oh, what's up? <laughs> oh, nothing. Are you done? Anyway. Okay. Uh, other legitimate people that we are going to thank. Uh, of course, uh, Valley Marshall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tournament's going down. It's 30 bucks. It's real cheap. You get three, four guaranteed matches. It'll be a lot of fun. Come on out. Support Valley Martial Arts Center. Also, uh, other stuff that's going on. Uh, I'd like to thank the good folks of Early Late Night. We are getting ready to celebrate our first year anniversary on June 11th, Tuesday, June 11th at 10 p.m. So please get excited for that show because it is going to be a wonderful, wonderful big show that we're planning over at Flappers. If you are in Burbank, California, come on by. Say hi. If you've never YouTubed it, go look at the videos. Funny show. Funny show. Yeah, we we have a lot of fun and uh, we're excited to be celebrating our first year at the comedy club um other stuff to talk about we got this really really wonderful email kevin and uh i i kid you not this is normally we 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 shit on one another but this was a i thought a good email you want to hear this i do want to hear this okay hey raf i gotta let you know i've been training various martial arts since i was young i trained hapkido kung fu and about three months ago began training bjj with gracie bear jiu-jitsu in uh, chicago Having minimal ground fighting experience, my progress had been slower than satisfying in my biased, impatient perspective. But after listening to your interview with Rafael Lovato Jr., I was so amped that I had a killer night of training. So thanks for the motivation. Keep up the good work. So we would like to send a very quick and special shout out to Mr. Chris Fowler uh, for sending this that wonderful message to let us know that the Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, interview was was good which we thought it was pretty good ourselves uh and we've gotten wonderful feedback from people just uh telling us that they've picked up and uh gone to train more after hearing his story and i think that's that's fantastic so yeah i was no no exception and if you haven't go to rafael lavazzo jr's page you can watch him explain how he won the brasieros um, but thank you. Yeah, that email, that means a lot. So we, we appreciate it, and we like having a medium where fighters can sort of tell the uh, the unabridged story. And, of course, if you guys ever want to send us one of those emails, we might read it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> did. Normally, Just normally did. Get, yeah, because who's going to stop us? Because uh, normally we get emails that are just kind of like, or texts or tweets that are just kind of like, you suck, but you're pretty awesome, but you suck. Uh, which is fine, but we we definitely have a, a great uh, relationship with our fans, and uh, we are always out to promote all of your uh, mixed martial arts places, and we want to give a special shout-out to the good folks in Chicago at that Gracie Barra to let them know. We hope they're doing great, and keep up the good work. Boom, I'm done. All right, I'm Kevin Phillips. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fun. <laughs>
Uh, we'll go for it. You can fucking put that up. I don't even care. 